Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Small Town Romance is a duo from Melbourne made up of Flora Smith and Jim Arneman who released their debut album in 2016. They released the single I Don't Believe You in 2020 and their latest single is Home Fires, taken from an album that is to be released at some point, hopefully in the near future, and we're going to talk about that. Hello, Flora. Hello, Jim. Hi, Sophie. Thanks for having us. Hello. To have you both um, and because I, I'm very keen to find out how the band name came about. So that is my first question to you. <laughs> it's such a it's such a beauty of a name and I've always wondered. So Small Town Romance, take me through it. Well, um, we, oh gosh, I have to refresh my own memory on this to be honest. So we first pulled, we, obviously we've, we've been in a relationship for longer than the band and music has always been a big part of both of our lives. So we, we played a lot together. And then a friend of ours was putting on a show and she said, just, you guys, just put a band together, okay? I've got a gig, got your first gig booked, just just get a band together, get your act together. And, and she said, you have 48 hours to come up with a band now. <laughs> right. yeah. I feel like a deadline. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we were listening to a lot of Richard Thompson at the time as an English uh, folk musician and guitarist. And he had this live album from old oh, was it? I think like the 80s. Called Small Town Romance. And there's a song on it. Um, called Small Town Romance, and it's a really grim depiction. It's Small Town Romance not in the, like, romantic sense, but in the, like, everyone knows your business, where to hide, dingy motel rooms. So we thought of it as kind of as a kind of a sort of a gritty. uh, (laughs) Yeah, but I think it has a different ring to it. It just feels a bit smug, really, doesn't it? Well, I think it's it's not at all smug, but I think also because of the music you make, it doesn't, because your music's, really lovely <laughs> and not and not at all depressing it's no like, no it, it's true it, it didn't it's uh yeah certainly like yeah the music we were making then which was like 2013 it's certainly been like a bit of a it wasn't taking a, a few details and gritty then either to be honest but it was <laughs> I, don't, I don't know we came up with the name we kind of got we're, we're stuck with it now it's kind of nice it's, kind it's of, nice it's funny to see how different people take it that's that's kind of yeah the impression yeah, it makes right. people when they come across us yeah but it's yeah, I think I think that kind of idea is that that's what I was saying. The intimacy and the, that sense of, I mean, it is when everyone knows your business in country music. That's what you're doing. You're sharing your business. <laughs> that's true. It's so confessional. <laughs> but I think you've also skipped over the important bit, which is not just the name, but also the fact that you were getting a band together very quickly when your friend yeah. said, oh, "Just you know, come on, put a band together." So not only coming up with the name, but at that point. To perform. Did we have any songs? I can't remember if we had any songs. Yeah, I had some songs. We, I think yeah, at the time. I think we both had some songs that we had kicking around. Kicking around. Yeah. And but had of... you actually practiced them together at the time the friend put this deadline on you? We remember. had 248 hours for the band name. I think oh, we had the name for the show. I think we had a few weeks. But we didn't gig. have that long. Yeah. It was um, good. It was fun. And then we never looked back because Yeah, yeah, we just Why would you? <laughs> well, exactly. So I'm guessing that that was not the first time you'd actually sung together um, or done some music, done any kind of music together. So when did that start? When did making music together start? Oh, gosh. Well, we met. Uh, we met. Um, I attended uh, a gig of Flora. She was in a folk duo um, called Flash Company. So we met at a gig. Mm-hmm. I was a groupie. And, uh, yeah, and so Flora was busy with her duo uh, for the first couple of years of our relationship and I was 
playing a little bit with some other people. And so, yeah, we still had separate projects. And then when we were asked to play a gig together, that kind of forced us to go, oh, you know. I remember as well, had we, because we did, we did quite a lot of touring with Jim's mum and um, and Kirkpatrick. Uh, and I'm trying to know if that was before or after we put the band together. I think, Probably after, I think it was after, it? Yeah. yeah. So we'd done bits and pieces together, you know, and jumped up the each other's thing. songs. Mm. But it was the first time we kind of went, all right, let's sort of combine. Yeah. We were, you know, confident enough that we liked each other's music by then. But you could. Yeah. <laughs> I think also we were early on in our relationship at that point. So we were like, let's not complicate things too much and be in a band and in a relationship. <laughs> right. And we eventually, it was, you know, it was inevitable, but we yeah. just took our time. We didn't jump straight into it. Yeah. It does raise the stakes somewhat. It does, yeah. about it a band. <laughs> it's true because there's a certain, like, especially when you're sort of writing together and creating together, you know, there's, you have to be pretty confident that you think the other person's good, that you like their stuff. Mm-hmm. And you can have musicians and things that you really like and you love what they're doing, but you think I could never write with them or it wouldn't work for what I was doing. So I feel like we had to both really put a lot of trust in each other and also be prepared to say no (laughs) no but that's where the high stakes come in I guess is the the no moment it does sort of work I think quite well as we do I mean we do occasionally have songs that we write together beginning to end but that's the minority the majority of the songs one of us has the the meat of the song the the hook or the idea or the majority of it and then we'll take it to the other person and then finish it together and work on it together so whoever's kind of little song it is to start with usually has a bit of veto right about like yes I agree with that or no don't agree with that and I think we always make the song better by working on it together but usually there's someone who has the main ownership a few cases where we've done it together and it's been like Ooh, a slug. The songs yeah. have been good, but the process has been rugged. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's a pure collaboration, I think. Would you yeah, agree? just because we don't have any, uh, like, you know, when other co-writes happen and people get together, it's like that whole, oh, it's a no-free zone, you can't say no, and just all ideas are good ideas. And, like, but with us it's like, no, there's plenty of bad ideas. I'm going to tell, tell you it's a bad idea. So that's good, though. You get to a better song quicker, um, you know, without worrying about each other's feelings too much. Well, it also means, I guess, you trust each other to be the other's editor, which is a exactly. separate and, and job. We, and we trust each other's, like, we have um, compatible tastes. Right. So we trust each other's kind of taste, I think. Yeah, and we're often on the same tangent, like listening to the same sorts of records at any given moment. So our points of reference are pretty similar at any given moment. So that's helpful. Yeah. Is that well. by design or you just, just you happen to? Well, we share a house and uh, <laughs> we share a stereo. Yeah, I thought headphones might be in and, you know, you listen to separate <laughs> things. Really. Well, to be honest, we don't really get a lot of say over what, get, what gets played on the stereo these days. Anyway, our five-year-old does, so. All yeah. right. Hot potato, yeah. hot potato. So the next album's going to be really Spice Girls influenced. Uh, yeah. That's right. what we're listening to at the moment. Not the Wiggles, no. Not yeah, she's graduated from the Wiggles yeah. to Spice Girls. Oh, like at five, I think to graduate at five from the Wiggles is that's that's early, early graduation. Um, so the way you sing together sounds effortless, but can't, these things aren't aren't always necessarily effortless. What what was it like when you began to sing together? Did did you take a bit of time to adjust, or was it fairly easy? I could probably answer this one. Um, I. Uh... Not a particularly good harmony singer. No, you Laura are. is a very natural harmony singer. So the first few years was just 
me singing and and Flora singing <laughs> harmony. Uh, but then over time, you've kind of uh, you know, I've, I've I've become a much better harmony singer just because I'm around singer. Flora and also wow. mum mum as well. I went on tour a lot with mum for a few years there in the middle nortines. You know, between about 2014 2017 or so, I did a lot of shows with mum, and so that was a good training ground for for harmony singing. So I got better. But initially, it was mostly just you know, um, kind of learning from you about about that about what you know I think it's like you just hadn't done you didn't hadn't yeah. done huge amounts of yeah. it and so you practiced and you got really good yeah but it was pretty it's it pretty straightforward it was just practice <laughs> practice and then it got better. but also over the last over COVID um we did it like we did a heap of singing I think I think for this album and for the way that we're singing together now versus when we put the last album out has really come up a level um and due to like during COVID we just we did a heap of just sitting around and singing because what else are you going to do right. And we went back to a lot of old timey stuff, a lot of um, Slim and Joy's kind of early catalogue, and yeah. I don't know, just kind of got sung a lot of folk music instead of. And we just kind of also kind of less is more became the sort of mantra at that point. Just like not we used to because we we're so used to playing Partly pubs, by design. <laughs> playing pubs and having to just blast and sing as hard, you know loud as you can. Right. Suddenly we just drink over. We're like, let's just make this as quiet and as nuanced as we can, and like really listen. It's what the other person's doing, and that was really kind of re- revelatory. It sounds simple, but um, but just kind of giving it that space changed the way we approached everything on this second record. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't think it is simple because it, it is a decision to pair things back, you know, because more is more is often, as you said, playing in pubs, you have to ramp up the sound, you're there to entertain people. It's, it's a self-editing process, and the fact that you two actually edit each other already with songwriting suggests that, you you are attuned to refining your sound as you need. Yeah, I, and I think what we're always striving for is what serves the song, you know, mm-hmm. and and the songwriting is always kind of at the heart of what we're doing. And a lot of the time, you can lose you can kind of lose the essence of a song a bit mm-hmm. if you if you kind of overdress it <laughs> um just the dynamics of a song are the, what makes it go into technicolor for me when you can bring a song right back and then build it or just the space you leave in a song like that gives it its a lot of its uh power to me yeah you like, yeah. said that this this isn't a particularly sparse album <laughs> i mean I, I don't think i, think I would that's... say it's pretty sparse i would disagree I'd okay. say it's pretty sparse. I, feel, I feel like it's really it's spacious. It's spacious. Yeah. There's lots of, there's plenty of parts. I guess what I mean is it's not an acoustic album and we're talking about kind of quite an acoustic performance process that we were doing sure. during COVID. It's not an acoustic right, album. Right. It's, a, it's, a band, it's a band yeah. album in that sense. But the songs and the vocals are still at the forefront and at really up front and at the heart of the production, would you say? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And And the vocals are much more, yeah, like uh, I would say nuanced. Yeah, definitely. On this record. It's also learning how to how to um, record your voice. Like it's one thing to sing in a room. It's one thing to sing in a pub. It's another thing to sing in a bar. It's another thing to sing for record. It's very different. And I think for that first record, for me anyway, I was haven't I hadn't done much. I'd done quite a lot of singing and a lot of gigging, but I hadn't done much recording. So it's really that was a real steep learning curve of learning how how does your voice work on record? Yeah, and you you know you'd sung opera, you'd sung folk music, um, you know. Uh, but then we and then you'd sung honky tonk and, and country music. But, but I hadn't done much recording. But I don't think you'd recorded much. No. I'd done uh, BB, and, other people's yeah, albums. Yeah, yeah. Done like a folk EP, but I hadn't not. But they're all incredibly different approaches to singing. Like exactly, you know, so. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Opera, opera in particular requires a certain amount. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about what you were listening to um, during COVID? Uh, does tell me a bit about home fires because when I listened to it, I was like, this is a different sound to the to the earlier music. And so, obviously, yes, there was this sound that emerged from it. Do you think that that was, or not? Do you think was it conscious to set out to write? a song in that way or was it just this subconscious influence of all the music you've been listening to well well interestingly home fires is actually a really old song um mm-hmm. that i had from uh, this folk duo flash company that i was in with a dear friend jen fitzgerald um and i wrote it in my 20s years ago and, oh. and i at the time in my mind it was I don't know, it was quite sort of sort of a flippant kind of it always felt a little bit like a bit of a sort of slightly judgmental song of about, you know, someone abandoning their family responsibilities. And I always loved singing it, but it, it always felt like I was singing it. It was always about somebody else. It was a song about somebody else. And then when we were putting this record together, we were just, we were probably one or two songs short. And so you dust off the bottom drawer and say, you know, what do you got picking around there? And Jim's like, well, why don't we, let's have a look at Home Fires. I always loved that song. And I thought, and I'd always imagined it was a male voice singing the song. Um, so I said, oh, you have a go, Jim. And Jim was like, no, no, it's your song. You sing it. And then it was, it just, it it was, it felt so autobiographical then to be singing it at this stage in life when you do have small kids, when life becomes very intense and um, especially, you know, during COVID, everyone's sort of in on top of each other and it's that sort of impossible fantasy of just, you know, wanting to kind of return to yourself as yourself Mm -hmm. for, you know, your life became so entangled with so much other complicated stuff, but it's a, obviously it's, it's an impossible fantasy because you could never, you know, the, the, the sacrifice feels too great. So you just mm-hmm. daydream um, about it. But, yeah, it was, so I guess that's a bit about the song, but, yeah, it was quite interesting how songs, you can write them at different stages in your life and then they can kind of come in and out of your life and mean different things to you depending on, you know, where where you're at in your life. But sonically, um, I mean, this one I feel is a real testament to the musicians that we had on the album because we bought them the song and when we were recording this record, um, we didn't have a lot of time. It was sort of between lockdowns, as it turned out, and I was heavily pregnant. So we didn't have a lot of pre-production time. Um, we didn't have a lot of rehearsal time. We hadn't been playing many gigs because, we, mm. you know, just hadn't been a lot happening in that department. Um, so... Yeah, the, the musicians that we had working with us were amazing. On this track particularly, Shane Riley on pedal steel and Mick Hubbard just bought musically just sort of created so much atmosphere and really brought that sense of longing and sort of. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, very much there in the music. Yeah, it was a very simple bed. Yeah, it was basically, you know, you were very happy to kind of, the song itself is very kind of economical. The song is economical. We recorded it live, like the vocals are live. So this is, that was true. Like, yeah, the vocal you hear is the vocal that was tracked, like like a second or third take. That was the live vocal that you did. Yeah, that was, yeah, we played through the band once or twice. Freshness to it. And then didn't have, and then Shane Riley, who plays pedal steel, who's just such a good player, he's uses the, he uses the the full range of the instrument so well. Like it's, it's he plays in the very low, really low register. It almost sounds like a theremin or something. Like yeah, when he plays the pedal, still really low, yeah. which is not that common because it's always way up. Really, that sort of high saccharine sort of sound you hear in country, mm. but really low. Yeah, it's got this much more sort of 
I don't know. It's like, it's quite sinister. It's a bit Twin Peaks, but it's great. I love it. I love that yeah. sound that he gets. But he also just brought brought that classic sort of, I don't know, for me, something like a Patsy Cline-esque sort of yeah. um, swagger and cl- classicism to it um, in the way it sounds. So he really did kind of give it that extra, yeah. extra little tweak um, and that sort of informed everything. Yeah, I think in the way we mixed and then it. Mick, who then did the guitar after that, then responded to what Shane had, and they yeah. intertwine and interplay so beautifully. So we were so happy with the song, but it's really, you know, it's the song was there, but it became so much more in the way that um, you know the what the musicians brought to it. It's a long answer. Do <laughs> <laughs> these look all those elements? Yeah, it does sound like the. We haven't got that again in hundred words or less. It's uh, all that detail's great because as I, I'm very fond of saying, people love to hear about work. That is the work of putting the song together. Yeah. Um, there's also the work of putting the video together. Jim, you directed oh, the video, yes. and yes. I I laughed out loud when I saw Flora getting leaf blown towards. <laughs> And you yeah, looked so innocent as you walked past and did it. And I thought, what's <laughs> a warning for that? Yeah, so that, that did you get line. warning? Was that, I did get warning. I did. I knew it was coming. Always happy for a oh, bit of extra it was, volume. It wasn't in the treatment. It wasn't the, 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 in the treatment for the video. We like, we had this idea of this kind of um, daydream, someone sort of out yeah. in out in the outdoors in in autumn, and then this sort of the banality of sort of yard work, and then mm. having sort of daydream in the middle of that that was kind of the heart of the clip but yeah that that came together in the afternoon that we thought oh yeah of course of, of course I'm going to do that <laughs> of course I'm that guy you know and I just love playing those little sort of walk-on parts in videos where you just kind of it's, um like in, in a previous video for Timber and Stone I sort of played another sort of really, hapless hapless character as well like yeah, right. <laughs> I like I like being sort of a char- character actor Same in, with in him, our videos in, in how it goes which we did on a yeah, cruise ship yeah, you, yeah. like he just I'm always a hapless doofus in every video and I'm kind of really owning that yeah, owning that character having that realization like <laughs> uh, you always cast yourself in really unflattering roles well, it's more fun it's just more fun than like than you know doing the front and center sort of emoting it's just like I it's good fun. I know. Yeah, I love making videos. I love just you know the creativity of it and the process mm. and um, just building a mood. That that was the most recent video we did was just about because of the the track had so much more sort of a heightened sense of atmosphere about it than a lot mm. of the other things we've done before. It was really easy for me to just draw from that and think about Carl Palette and uh, in some some sort of you know and the idea for the, the most of the clip came from Flora too. I had an idea about their yard work and then we kind of. Mm. There, Flora had the idea of the character going inside and sort of having this daydream and kind of this physical manifestation of that daydream being this sort of dressing up. Yeah. And it was just a simple conceit for a video. There's a dreamlike quality to how it looks too. And this, the, you know, it's quite the lights treated in a certain way. So it does have that that sense of, of surreal, well, surreality, I should say. Well, it was also the location because initially we were looking for a garden, like we wanted a really beautiful autumn garden, and I just kind of, you know, put, a, put the word out to my network, does anybody have a garden that's looking good at the moment? And Natalie, mm-hmm. farmhouse this was, got in touch and um, she was like, yeah, come, come and have a look at my farm. And her house is this 19th, like late 19th century, 18, I'm not quite sure, like mid-19th century farmhouse that's had all these additions put on and she's like an artist and a collector, so her house is full of, all this amazing stuff and it just looks beautiful. I was like, we've got to use this space. That's great. <laughs> so that's where we kind of came up with the idea of like, well, let's have this sort of this, that can kind of be the representation of of the sort of the fantasy of, mm-hmm. and it's all these kind of lush textures and objet d'art and figurines. And I'm a, I'm like, I have some 
some hoarder tendencies. So like a house that's a maximal, that's, that's called the maximalist tendencies. So a house just full of beautiful stuff that's from op shops and art galleries. Like that's my, I was like, oh, leave me here. Just books and figurines. Yeah, I mean, and, she didn't have to do a lot of acting. Yeah. It was, yeah, she was right there, you know. And a life floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, because uh, Jimmy, you've directed quite a few videos, um, and you also made a documentary film in 2019, and that was about members of your family. So, I, so you have mentioned your mother, Anne Kirkpatrick. Flora, you mentioned Joy. So, um, Jim, you are a third generation musician, and your uncle David is also in a band at the moment. I interviewed David a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now. Um, and your grandparents were very handy with a tune, shall we say. So I'm wondering if you felt like it was an inevitability that you were going to be a musician. Uh, I mean, I've always had, yeah, music's always been in my life. I've always loved it. Um, it was a kind of a big thing to, like it was a pretty big thing to sort of think about approaching um, mm-hmm. when I was kind of coming of age. And so I tended to do, to think about some other avenues and things I wanted to do as well. Um, but I guess songwriting has been the thing that I've always thought that I'd always do. Like I've always enjoyed that the most. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a showy sort of, you know, fireworks and and lame suits sort of performer. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and so like I, I'm more like I love the songwriting. I love the sort of process behind making music as much as I do the outward performance of it. So um, I guess, yeah, it's always been there in the background um, and I've always wanted to play music, but um, pursuing like a, a career in, in music was certainly something I put on the back burner for a while, you know, and 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 thought more more practically about making a um, a career in another creative in, uh, creative field, which was filmmaking. So that's been really fun and really fulfilling for you know over a decade now, uh, and yeah, and then and then had little you know sort of intermittently we've done some music and kept that bubbling away in the background and yeah and it's been nice in the sense that we've I feel like we've still got a lot of fuel in the tank for music now like a lot of people when they've been going hard for 10-15 years in the music game like it is it takes it out of you but I feel like we've got a lot of I don't know enthusiasm and and a lot of sort of songs that we've written that we haven't played to death and we have that still feel fresh that we're yet to record like I feel like we've got a lot in the tank and it's kind of exciting and so right now I feel as positive about playing music really you know all the time and and making making it more of a a going concern for us than I ever have and I felt I'm feeling more confident about it yeah but but living but having that whole family legacy is something that I always wanted to celebrate and be part of like I've always loved doing that I've loved playing the shows with mum and being part of her music and I've loved you know um the film was a a real you know obviously a um, passion project that took a long time to make but when we made it, it was incredibly satisfying to see that um, get find the audience that it did, and the fact that it's still finding an audience. I'm just mm-hmm. proud of that. And so, yeah, I feel like the, that that sort of you know era in my 20s of, of of playing music and but also working on that film. It was all me sort of trying to pay my dues and 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 sort of be part of that family legacy as much as I could and and get and keep it out there. And now I feel like we're we're starting to sort of find our own voice a bit as well. Um, yeah. At the same time, sort of balance that you know coming from that legacy to also having our own sort of distinct voice that um, feels, you know, right for now. Mm. I'm very fond of reminding people as often as I can that your grandmother, Joy McKean, won the very first golden guitar as a songwriter for Lights on the Hill um, <laughs> because it's, you know, it's that is an incredible family legacy to have and also Joy was an amazing writer and we, we were talking about the economy of home fires. Well, she was an economical songwriter who managed to convey a whole lot of story 
um, in in what looked like very few lines, but they were packed with meaning. And so approaching a documentary about her and about your grandfather, um, you had some archival footage to work with and you had Joy's hilarious sister in that documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah I don't yeah, know yeah. how you would have reined that in. That was it so was amazing. <laughs> oh, and, and those two when they were together, like it's magic. It was just too good. Like they just they they were just so good together. Their dynamic it, it took you straight back to when they were, you know, maybe 10 and 12. Yeah, right. Um, you know, like even when they were, you know, in their 80s and 90s together, they still had that spark and that dynamic and that rivalry and that understanding and that that sort of very loving uh, you know, back and forth and that banter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, and this both both were so sharp with each other, sharp witted. And Joy uh, was always so very good. much the big sister. Yeah. Yeah. You get- and you know, Heather was you can see it in the film. Like, yeah. that, that's the best part of that first act of the film is that, that interview with the two of them. And when they talk about Slim and Joy meeting and how Heather was sort of a bit put out because uh, Heather and Joy with this yodeling sister mm-hmm. act that were incredibly popular, incredibly successful, way more successful than Slim was at that point in time. And um, and he sort of was pulling them a little bit apart because uh, Joy and Slim are starting to play together. And yeah, and just hearing Heather. Kind of give it, you know, recounting all those anecdotes and cackling away, and Joy sort of looking at, oh, you know, like looking concerned, like older sister about what what Heather was going to say next. Uh-oh. Yeah, it, it, it was, was so great. great. Like it was just really like they just. I, I wasn't sure what it would be like when I put a camera there and recorded it, but they were dynamite, just the same as they always are. It was very natural. They they you know they're just that theatrical all the time. So it was great. Yeah, it was, you could always see Heather kind of like, oh, you could see it, as you said, when they were kids, always like her poking Joy, like, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, really winding her up because because <laughs> Joy was like the sensible, you know, stoic older sister and Heather was always sort of the hellraiser and the very, very cheeky, you know. Um, yeah. uh, it was a lovely dynamic. It was beautiful. And I'm so glad we got that. We, we captured that, I think, in the first act of the film. That's one of my favourite things that we that we captured in the film. Yeah, it's a, it is a wonderful film. So anyone who hasn't seen it, it's obviously available the, the beauty these days of of technology is that those films can be acquired at any time, viewed at any time. You know, you can find it on iTunes. I'm sure. Now, Flora, do you come from a musical family? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, not quite of the caliber <laughs> of films. Don't say, don't sell Graham Smith short. But my no, I do. My dad. Well, my dad was uh, played played a lot of music, and so he sort of played a lot of folk music. Um, so we always had you know music in the household. Um, but it was, it's it's funny because people I think often assume that, um, you know, you, you, your household was everybody singing everything all the time. But for you guys, it was work, you mm. know. And for Anne and for Slim and Joy, like when they were on the road, they were on the road, and that you, you're touring and you're playing shows. And when you're home, you know. And, and I I feel that now even like we we play when we've got a gig because we don't want to humiliate ourselves publicly, but you know, in rehearsing. But a lot of the time, you know, life everything else. Yeah, but yeah. I guess my dad um, played a lot, so we had we always had music at home, and we always had music around the household. But it was it was never like about sort of performance. It was just participation. It's kind of folk. What you do, music is a mode of kind of communication and mm-hmm. fun and entertainment. So yeah, always loved it. Always had some slightly show pony elements. I would <laughs> my mother would probably uh, attest to. <laughs> Youngest child, you gotta, you know, gotta, yeah, gotta get some attention. Yeah, yeah. so you always played, and then, yeah, and then I studied music at university, so I did a classical music degree at university, um, and then realized it was just much more fun playing down at the pub. Yeah, 
Hmm. Yeah. But, but going back to that, like the previous question you asked about sort of how, you know, I came to sort of, how was it like approaching sort of, you know, playing music as part of my family? I think it was a revelation when I met Flora that, yeah, it was always like, as Flora said, it was work in my family. Like we didn't really sit around at home playing songs just for fun. Like it was always like, it was because by this point they were 40, 50 years. Well, by the time I turned up, the family was 40 years into being professional musicians. It was work. Yeah. And um, so there wasn't maybe that sense of spontaneity and participation about it. And when I met Flora, that was exactly what it was all about. Uh, we'd be sitting around at the park with some friends and playing songs and it was just all about that. And that reignited my love of of playing again because yeah. I wasn't you, playing you very much. A band. I mean, we, you, you know, in your 20s, like you, someone's got a gig, throw a band together, you know. Yeah. Just do it. It doesn't matter if you suck. Yeah. Just, you know, have a crack and have a go and that's what music's about. And that's what you should be doing in your 20s. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it, it totally, it's, it sounds obvious again, but it was, it was revelatory to me because yeah, I just always thought of it as like work because that's the way it had always been framed. Yeah, in also, our I mean, in that show, like there was a level of professionalism and expertise that you would expect at a show at that level. Yeah. And so if that's, that's your reference point, hmm. then if, of course, like you don't want to get up and suck. <laughs> like you want to get up and sound good. Like that's a, it's a different. You're performing at a totally different level there, and it's a totally different mode of performance. Yeah, um, but just it was also a full time touring. I mean, the pleasure in just having a sing along, you know, was something that you know I rediscovered. I guess. Yeah. yeah. But also, just you know, for you, um, Jim, say yeah, for Joy and Slim, it was full time touring. It was like a year. It was a year round process of not just oh, we we play, it's 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 getting the show on the road, all the things that come with that. So you can certainly understand why at home it would be like, <laughs> I don't want to deal with totally. that. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It was a bit like that, yeah. I mean, so, but then again, like Slim always played like every day. Like Slim would play every day. He just, that's what he always used to say. I've got to keep a hand in, got to, you know, if you, if you leave it for, you know, too long, you just got to keep that voice in check. So he, he would always play every day. But it wasn't like, yeah, it was more like he'd go off to the den and play for half an hour each day. And it wasn't like a, you know, we'd come over for happy hour and everyone you know, sit around playing songs. Not the Von Trapp family. It's not the Von Trapp family. No. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was. It was, yeah, it's just a slightly different way of looking at it. But, um, yeah, we're hoping now with our kids that we make it much more of a, but it's- a, a participatory thing as well, you know, a fun thing that everyone's doing sort of, you know, and everyone can be involved in. Oh, but you can't also under undermine or also undersell like the level of knowledge and expertise that sort of came from being around just watching just watching yeah. performances yeah I yeah. guess this was a thing I, I soaked up a lot of which is mainly like a lot of that was stagecraft you know like watching stage yeah how you how a set rises and falls and mm. you know little things which like is that. such an important element and uh and when it's done well it looks like it's it's natural and invisible almost because the audience has no idea what's gone into it. But yeah, it's such an important thing. But Flora, you played piano accordion, which to my way of thinking is the hardest instrument of all time. I watch people play this and I think I have no idea. I've been playing guitar is hard enough. I don't know how the hands do the different things they do. So how long have you been playing that instrument? Um, uh, well, I my dad's an accordion player, actually. Right. So I, I, he didn't teach me though. So he always played Irish button accordion. Um, and then I spent a little bit of time um, when I was at university in Texas. And that button accordion is a, a really popular instrument in like Tex Mex um, music. Okay. The I'm going to get a little bit tangential here. So there was, a big, there was a big German migratory um, move to parts of Texas um, as um, 
farming labour, um, I think in the 19th century. Anyway, but they brought along their accordions and then so they were working on a lot of farms and the other ranch hands on a lot of these farms. So it was um, German sort of, you know, farming peasant sort of migrants and then there was a lot of Mexican labourers and so the accordions that the German migrants brought over were picked up by the Mexican labourers and then they started playing a lot of the rancheros and Mexican folk songs with the accordion. So that's why you have all these polkas in Tex-Mex music and it's quite specific to to the northern parts of Mexico and South Texas. So that's um, when I was studying in Texas, um, there was a class I could take at my university that was in like this specific style of button accordion. And because my dad was an accordion player, I like I, I was like, I told him and he was so, he was like, oh, you've got to do it. When are you going to get the opportunity to learn Tex-Mex button accordion? I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I loved it. And I loved, and, I, and, and, and then there's a lot of that influence um, of that, um, Tex-Mex flavor in a lot of the country music mm. in Texas that we love. Um, and then there's, you know, there's accordion playing in Cajun music and as well. So there's, it's, it's an instrument that pops up um, in lots of different sort of styles of folk and country. Um, and so, yeah, that's when I started playing it. And yeah, so we have a lot of um, that sort of uh, Tex-Mex style, like a lot of Raikoon is a really big influence on us. We love um, some of the recordings that he does, but I guess, I guess the melding of sort of the sort of folk and country traditions. Because in and then obviously in Australia there was a lot of button accordion playing on the goldfields, and Joy played an accordion as well um, with Heather because they're so loud. So they're really before amplification, they were really great for dances, and mm-hmm. because yeah, that you could you could get some bass, you could get some melody, and yeah, you could abandon a box. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So, no, it's great fun and uh, it's loud and no one ever asks for any accordion in their fold-back wedge ever on stage. <laughs> be like down, 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 and the sound guy be like, there's none in there. Like, come on. <laughs> so not only is it banned in a box, but it's its own amp, essentially. It's yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a really fun, it's a fun instrument. I love it. And it's and- a workout. Like, it always looks like it's, you know, you've got a, be really I know, I know. It's a bit sort of rubbing your head and patting your belly at the same time. It does. It does my head in to think about how you play it because it's like a different note on the, the pull and the push. So yeah. it's always like my, it's like a math problem, you know, to me always. It's like. Me too. I feel like if you're playing the guitar or a lot of instruments here, you play a bum note, you can kind of slide in or slide out of it and kind of make it. You play a wrong note on the accordion and it hangs around. Yeah. It's like, ah, playing really playing it, yeah. You can't disguise it. <laughs> Again, we're talking about raising stakes here, but you're raising it with, with an instrument. Um, now, it sounds like the album is recorded. Is that the case? Okay. Yeah. So you um and you know in this age of streaming, obviously people think about releasing singles in a particular pattern. Or are you so do you have a plan like that, or you're just thinking we're going to put them out as we feel? Uh, it's like you were listening to our dinner table conversation. We're like, what now? We put a single out. We yeah. had a gig. It went really well. What now? Yeah. Um. So the album we are putting out the first half of next year. Um. We haven't got it, haven't narrowed it. Probably the, the second quarter, I think we've narrowed it down to. <laughs> um, and in, in between now and then, we'll be putting out a few singles that you're laughing at me. It just sounds like that's something it's the second quarter, something you say on your shareholder phone call. Well, a small business, a small town romance. A small town romance shareholders out there. 
Why did you come up with that dividends? Yeah, we're going to be waiting a while. Yeah. Um, yes. So what's album the next year? Some here? more singles. Look out for more more music. And, um, more, and more videos, I would imagine. More videos. Yeah, yeah. We're discussing that actually at dinner as well. Yeah, more <laughs> videos. Um, yeah. So we're ramping back up. The first single's gone really well. People have been really giving us great feedback on it. The band sounding as good as we've ever sounded. We had a few person personnel changes because it's been a while since we've sort of played as a, a full band. But the band is cooking. Mm. The you know the feedback's been great, and so we just want to yeah. play more gigs. And- we had it. We play, We did a single launch just on Sunday, and it's the first full band show we've done in three years. We've done duo shows and trio shows and things like that, but we haven't had a full a full lineup. And um, it's funny. I I feel like in the previously when we've put on events, we've ticketed them. We're trying to sell tickets. I'm always so stressed and checking the ticket sales every day. And this time, I just. I just didn't care. I was like, it'll be what it'll be. I just want to get in a room and play some music because you you make music and you, I think especially it's funny because you talk about how for you, you love the writing process and mm. I love it too, but I like performing. <laughs> I, I like, like that too. I like that too. And it's been so long since we've had a, you know, a show like that and I just, and it, I don't know, I just kind of, I just kind of trusted that, I just kind of trusted that it would go well and that people would turn up and we'd have a good time. I was like, I just felt like, no, no, I just wasn't worried about it at mm. all. And it was. And I bet they did turn up. And they did. And it was so fun. And it was just, I, I think especially when you're putting music out in a digital, um, you know, format, mm-hmm. you stress about it, you get your artwork right, you, you know, you're worrying about all the content that you have to create, all, all the different elements, and then you go, bloop, send it out and nothing happened. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, people are listening to it and it is finding its way to ears and it is you know, connecting with people, but it can feel like on the other end of that, that it's just gone poof and nothing happens, you know. And so for me, it's like, no, no, well, the reason we do this is so we can be in a room with people playing music. Um, And that's when it all kind of makes sense, I guess. So it was really, really good to do it. And we just got to figure out how to do more of it. So um, which leads me to my next question of whether the accordion will be going to the Tamworth Country Music Festival. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if it will this year or next year, I have to say. Yeah, I think. <sighs> yeah, to, 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 you know, TBC on um, the 2024 festival, but I would say we're definitely, definitely 2025. Yeah. 20, yeah. Oh, look, we might have a last minute severe case of FOMO and mm. duck up for, you know, a quick little spot here or there. But I think we decided that we kind of want to wait until we've got the album finished. Yes, so we've got something to or the album out. Oh, the album, yeah. yeah, the album out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Jim's very motivated by spending as much time uh, at the beach <laughs> as possible. It's also prime beach time. <laughs> That's true. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> when they had Tamworth in, like uh, you know, in, in April. around in April, I was like. That should what they they should, they should do that every year. I know. That, I'd be that was a good time of year, but yeah, yeah. it's a long way inland. Yeah. It's also our kids are pretty little, um, and uh, we, next time we go up, we'd really like to not bring them. Um, so <laughs> hoping another year and we can do that. <laughs> well, I'm sure the audience will still be there for you. Although I don't know how Helen or our five year old will accept that. She's extremely acutely aware of when is she getting her spot in the show. All right. Well, um, you should talk to Ashley Dallas about that because her daughter Harriet, her eldest daughter Harriet, is very keen to join her at every opportunity. Okay. So- well, maybe we. I think we could probably get them. They're, they're about the same age, so I think we can start getting them working on a double act. 
It is never too early. Um, and if she's already on the Spice Girls, then you know, you're on your way to a, to a five-member band. There. <laughs> um, Flora and Jim, I could keep talking to you for hours and I'm sure I would learn lots of great and interesting things, but I have had you talking for a while. So Yeah, it's been a real history lesson of accordions. Oh, and I love it. Good, yeah, luck, good, good luck getting that up, getting, getting engagement <laughs> on Instagram with that. <laughs> no, it's, I love that stuff, but it's also music history. It's ideal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I will let you go, but hopefully get to talk to you again when there is more music. More Absolutely. Music Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.